Hello and welcome to this month's episode of Nice Talks. My name is Frankie Adlam and I'll be your host for this podcast. This time we're talking about maternal and child nutrition. What is a healthy diet during pregnancy and how can we make sure our newborns have the best start in life? I'll be speaking to Orla Huguenot, who is a senior campaign nutritionist at Public Health England. But first, I hear from Judith Jones. Hello? Hi, is that Judith? Hello, hiya, yeah. Judith was involved in the development of NICE's Maternal and Child Nutrition Quality Standard as a community member, with past experience as a lay member at Manchester Clinical Commissioning Group. So Judith, how important is it to have nutrition advice throughout pregnancy? I think that for some women, pregnancy can be quite a stressful time. You know, so it's something that you've probably longed for and hoped for for a long time. And you want to make sure that you give your child the best start. Um, and that, that, that start is, 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 you know, is right from the point of your pregnancy. And I think that sometimes there can be quite misleading messages put out there, be it, you know, social media or national newspapers or whatever, about what you shouldn't be, should and shouldn't be eating. So I think what's really important in terms of the quality standards is, is that this is reliable and evidence-based information that is easily accessible. NICE guidance says that the women attending antenatal and health visitor appointments should be given advice on how to eat healthily in pregnancy. I ask Ola, what is defined as healthy eating during pregnancy? That's a really good question. Um, I think there's a lot of discussion out there about what healthy eating during pregnancy is. Um, I can certainly say that it is not a special diet, that's for sure. So we certainly don't recommend that women have a special diet when they're pregnant or indeed when when breastfeeding. Um, I think it's really important to say that a healthy balanced diet overall is an important part of a healthy lifestyle at any point. But it's particularly important when you are pregnant or indeed when you're, when you're breastfeeding. So in terms of what a healthy balanced diet constitutes, um, it's really important that we're getting lots of fruit and veg into our diet. So around five portions of a variety of fruit and veg every day is essential. That's one of the first go-to things. And I think it's important for pregnant women especially because they can get plenty of all those really important vitamins and minerals in their diet and fiber. Because we know certainly when women are pregnant, they're more likely to suffer from constipation. And one of the ways to help with that is by getting the fruits and vegetables in. So that's our starting point, if you like. There are other things that we should also be including into our diet. And so certainly basing our meals around um, whole grain starchy foods is important. So yes, things like your breads and your pastas and your rice, preferably whole grain where you can. Because they're going to give us the energy that we and our growing baby need to, to, to keep fit and healthy. And then, of course, you've got to think about getting things like, um, you know, meat, fish or alternatives into our diet as well to make sure we're getting some protein in there. And likewise, of course, dairy and dairy alternatives as well, because that will give us the calcium that we need to help um, both ourselves in terms of our own health as pregnant mums and also um, our growing baby. So is it true that during pregnancy you can afford to eat a lot more as you're eating for another person? It's a really good question and it's a lot this kind of idea of um, eating for two which I think is a myth that, that, that grew up over time which is slightly unfortunate because all the evidence shows that's just not the case. When women are pregnant their body is really good at upregulating and taking what is needed out of their food in terms of the vitamins and minerals and energy so it becomes really efficient at doing that. 
And all of the evidence shows that, in fact, we only need an extra 200 calories per day in our last trimester of pregnancy. Um, and that's the equivalent of a couple of slices of toast, actually, with a bit of low-fat spread. So not that much. I think if you're eating a healthy, balanced diet, you're going to get everything that you need for you and your baby, for, um, for your baby's growth, um, and also in terms of helping you to manage your weight as well. That's really interesting. Thanks for that. So we've seen in the news about the government's potential plans to add folic acid to flour in the UK to help prevent birth defects. How important are supplements like folic acid during pregnancy? Yeah, it's a really, really important point. How important is, is supplementation during pregnancy? So we've just spoken about the importance of a healthy, balanced diet during pregnancy, you know, getting in those important food groups, kind of business as usual, if you like, not taking on too much extra energy, etc. But there are a couple of things that are really important that pregnant women actually do. And one of them is making sure that they get enough um, you know, folic acid in, in their diet. Um, this is essential to help reduce the risk of their baby developing a neural tube defect. So it's really important that for the first trimester of pregnancy that they take a folic acid supplement. So this has got about 400 micrograms of folic acid in it. It's very difficult to get that from your diet alone, which is the reason why the recommendations are that women have a supplement of folic acid during the first trimester of pregnancy. Um, that's folate. There's also another really important vitamin um, that we'd like to see mums um, or pregnant women um, make sure they're getting into their diet, and that's vitamin D. So we know that there is a bit of an issue with vitamin D status um, in the UK, and it's really important, again, that pregnant women take um, a supplement of vitamin D. It's about 10 micrograms a day, and they take that throughout their pregnancy, particularly if the vast majority of their pregnancy falls throughout the winter months when their access to sunlight is less. For most um, pregnant women, they should be able to get some straightforward advice from their GP or their midwife in relation to taking supplements. It's really important that if you are taking a multivitamin, that you actually take one that is designed for pregnant women. Because many general multivitamins will contain vitamin A, and it's important that women don't take a supplement with vitamin A during their pregnancy. It's not good for baby. So earlier we touched on weight management during pregnancy. Our guidance says that women with a BMI of 30 or more after childbirth should be offered a structured weight loss programme. Why is this important? Mm. Well, it's really interesting because um, if you've got a BMI of 30 or more, that means you're clinically obese. And there are both immediate and long-term impacts of being obese in terms of your mental and physical health, in fact. Those who are obese longer term are more likely to develop things like type 2 diabetes, heart disease and some cancers and of course in the short term for mom being obese um, can actually impact on your everyday life it can impact on your ability to do all those things that you want to do with your children including running around and the various activities particularly that little ones get up to so it impacts on 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 the life of of a mom both now and in the future that's why it's really important um, that uh, women are given the appropriate advice to help them maintain um, a healthy weight. And of course, one of the key things to that, and you know, the tenant of that advice really, is around the Eat Well Guide. We spoke a little bit earlier about the importance of a healthy, balanced diet during pregnancy. Um, the same applies overall, and you know, the, the, the same rules, if you like, or the ways of doing it are pretty similar. So things like making sure you're getting at least five portions of a variety of fruit and vegetables into your diet every day, um, is a really good start. 
if you're having starchy carbohydrates, make sure they're whole grain. And more likely to help you feel fuller for longer. I mean, getting a little bit, making sure you've got a bit there of dairy um, or dairy alternatives and meat, fish, pulses and other types of alternatives in terms of protein. That's the basic start of it. Ensuring as well that you're cutting down on the likes of the, um, you know, the chocolate, biscuits, cakes and confectionery. And I think often when we're time poor, we tend to reach for things that are you know, very processed or already made. So it's important that if we are buying those kinds of foods that we're checking the labels and we're looking for those foods that have got mainly green or ambers on the front of pack to help us make better choices. But it's, it is essential really um, that uh, we help mums um, and women in general who want to become pregnant that they are a healthy, healthy weight because being um, o- obese in particular has very serious implications for women when they are pregnant in terms of putting themselves and their baby at risk of complications both during pregnancy and indeed during the delivery. And for women who are obese, they may actually struggle to become pregnant in the first place. So that's why it's really important that we have a healthy, you know, a healthy weight. We can achieve that through a healthy, balanced diet before we become pregnant in the first instance. Our guidance says that women should receive breastfeeding support from a service that uses an evaluated, structured programme. Judith, why is this a priority area in our quality standard? In the UK, we have some of the lowest breastfeeding rates in the world. Um, So eight out of 10 women stop breastfeeding before they want to. And I think that's really shocking figures. I mean, figures for England in 2015, 2016 show that 73%, so nearly three quarters of women start breastfeeding, but that falls to under half, around 43% at six to eight weeks. And I think what's important is that women will be encouraged to breastfeed whether they give birth at home or in hospital. But the problems seem to happen further down the line when they're back at home, so if they face some kind of difficulty or some kind of setback. Um, And I think that's what that program really needs to kind of focus around, and that's the importance of it. The current advice on infant feeding, particularly from our Scientific Advisory Committee on Nutrition, has very clearly um, said that exclusive breastfeeding for around six months Um, And to continue um, up to one year once complementary feeding has been introduced is really important for the health of the baby and indeed for for mum's health. So we need to be doing everything we can to encourage mums to breastfeed in the first instance and to stick with it as well. Joining local breastfeeding network, as an example, is is a brilliant way to get you know, support from other mums to find out, you know, ways and, and methods to help you um, make sure that you do continue breastfeeding if you're, if you're having a hard time of it. Nice Guidance says that parents and carers should be given advice on introducing their baby to a variety of nutritious foods to complement breast milk or formula milk. Orla, when should a baby be introduced to solid food? Is it important to get this timing right? Current government advice, um, and this is advice that's come specifically from the Scientific Advisory Committee on Nutrition, is to introduce complementary feeding at around, um, or solid foods, at around six months. Um, And there's quite specific reasons for this. We know that at around six months, our baby is more likely to be developmentally ready to actually um, start eating, in fact, start eating solid food. So there are three clear signs that show they're ready to start solid foods. It's when they can sit up, when they can hold their head up straight, and also when they can take their hand and lift the food and 
the food into the mouth themselves actually that's a really good indication that they are definitely ready to start solid food um, I think a couple of other important things um, around uh, introduction of solid feeding as well is that if you introduce um, solid food to your baby earlier than six months they're more likely to be eating very pureed food for longer those kinds of foods will can contain a lot of free sugars and what we really don't want is for babies to develop um, a taste for overtly or very sweet foods that's why it's best to wait until they're around uh, six months to start introducing solid foods and of course that has an impact on exclusive breastfeeding too so you know if you're introducing solid food earlier it's likely to impact um, on the amount of milk that mum is producing and that's going to then kind of impact on the length of time that she's able to breastfeed her baby for potentially. And what type of food should we be introducing to babies? Um, I guess the really important thing is that a lot of the evidence shows that, that mums are, are find it convenient and easy to have pre-prepared packaged baby food. And yes, they have a part to play, particularly when you're, when you're on the go. But actually most of the evidence shows that it's important to um, be introducing um, you know, solid foods, those first flavours are something that mum's preparing herself wherever possible. And that's because the taste and texture of what mum prepares in the kitchen at home is going to be different to what is in a ready-made jar or a pouch, as an example. So the consistency. Um, the other issue is that um, the, the most recent review um, done by Public Health England has shown that in terms of baby food specifically, there's often an over-reliance on the ingredients in those foods on things like fruits. So what we want to try and do is make sure that baby is getting a range of flavours, tastes and textures at the beginning. So they're not developing this overt preferred taste for really sweet foods. We want to make sure that we're getting some leafy green vegetables in there as quickly as we can so they get used to bitter tastes as well. Judith, what support can our guidelines offer people? So I think evidence-based guidelines are really important, both for professionals and for women who are pregnant, because it gives you reliable and consistent information that, that are recognised nationally. For example, I think within the CCG, it would give you guidelines that you can clearly work towards. So something that is realistic in terms of its aim and objectives but you can also measure progress against. As a pregnant woman I think you would know that the guidelines have been evaluated from well-researched evidence and considered carefully by professionals so it's not something that's just been put together based on flimsy evidence but there is well-researched evidence at the base of it. And Orla, what about the resources produced by Public Health England? We've got a great website called Start for Life. There's lots of information there about breastfeeding, um, about pregnancy, and indeed about um, introducing solid food to your baby as well. So lots of information there about you know what to do and how to do it and where to get that support. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can find links to our maternal and child nutrition guidance below. If you have any questions or comments, please send them in. You can contact us by email at nice.org.uk. You can also find us on social channels. Our Twitter handle is at NiceComs and you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. Thanks again for listening.